Good morning, day or night, wherever you are in the world, and welcome to the Surviving to Drive podcast. Today, we are discussing the Singapore Grand Prix. This is your favorite source of American-based F1 conversation, presented by me, Alex, and my co-host, Tyler. Let's race into it. So, Alex, what were your thoughts on that eventful race? Uh, it was a really chaotic race. Definitely, I think, one of the more chaotic ones across the board uh, for the season. And we just had a lot of, nothing major, but just a lot of small issues and a lot of small incidents that came up, you know, throughout the entire race. So, you know, I think the going from wet to dry and it, you know, starting with it even looking like Spa last year, where we might not even have gotten the race because it was raining so much at the beginning, uh, definitely made things interesting. And I think you saw some just interesting strategies in terms of when people decided to actually switch the dry tire, you know, and George going way early on that. But it, I think it definitely had a lot of chaos. It's always a very tough street circuit, very technical and, you know, adding in the wet conditions definitely made it super hard for the drivers. Yeah, a lot of question marks right off the start there, and then even more question marks as we went throughout the race, if anybody was even going to finish with how many accidents there were, but definitely kept us as viewers on our toes and made for a pretty interesting race to watch. Yeah, so we'll go ahead and go through the finishing order here. So we have uh, Perez, Charles, and Sainz uh, making up the podium this week. Big win for Perez. Uh, and then McLaren bringing home a 4-5 with Norris and Ricardo, which was huge. Uh, and then we have Stroll in 6th, Max in 7th, Vettel in 8th, Hamilton in ninth, and Gasly rounding out the points in 10th. And then we have Bottas, Magnussen, Mick, and George rounding out the finishers. For our long list of DNFs today, we'll go in race order. So Joe went out first after getting hit by Latifi, who made it back to the pits and then retired as well. Alonso thereafter had a engine failure, and then Albon hit the wall and retired his car after making it back to the pits. Ocon had another engine failure, and then Sonoda went into the wall and retired as well. Pretty long list of DNFs there. Yeah, I, again, just a lot of small incidents, and none of them were any you know major crashes. I think the Latifi one, which we'll get into later, obviously was the most bizarre one because he literally just turned right into Zoe and didn't even see him. But yeah. you know, all the other ones and all the other incidents that happened were pretty minor, but it was enough to where it was either an engine failure or it was enough damage done that they just ended up retiring the car. Yeah, and there was a lot of incidents uh, of the racers that continued on. You know, a few of them hitting walls, a few of them making contact with each other. We saw another meatball flag that we'll get into later, but uh, I guess we'll go ahead and start with a little, just a real quick recap of quali because it was pretty interesting. We had a wet-dry quali similar to the race with uh, only Q3 being on the dry and uh, some pretty notable people missing out on Q3. We had George uh, going out in Q2 there after having brake issues and uh, ended up working out for him. He took a new power unit and ended up starting from the pits. So uh, I guess not too big of a penalty from there. Yeah, it wasn't too bad. It ended up kind of for the long run of the season working out for them good. And obviously it was a tough race for him. It was really a tough weekend overall for George. Yeah. Um, never really found the car. was just really struggling all weekend. But I think the uh, the biggest surprise obviously happened in Q3 where – you know, you had a battle for pole between, I'd say four people between uh, Perez, Charles Sainz, and, or Perez, five people, I guess, Charles Sainz, Perez, Lewis, and Max. Uh, it was really interesting, actually, before, right before the end of Q, uh, Q3, once they switched to the dries um, and kind of really started going on those, Lewis was setting some laps that were very 2018 Singapore vibes, where he was yeah. clear of the field by like a second. And I thought he was going to end up taking pole by like a second again like he kind of did in 2018 he was way quicker he was setting purple sectors everywhere but uh you know they ended up Perez and Charles ended up kind of catching up with them and kind of getting on the pace then and then you know uh they all crossed line and within 
five or half a tenth of each other, uh, Charles Perez and Hamilton. Then we had Max kind of the last one out in his lap. And I think he was like four tenths up on Charles going into the last sector. And then as he's coming around the pit corner, you know, Red Bull calls him in for basically he doesn't know at the time. And I don't think anyone knew at the time. They just call him into the pits and he freaks out, obviously. But it was just a really tough ending to quality for him. It ended up coming out that he didn't have enough fuel in the car, which we ended up looking up the rules. And if you don't have enough, the minimum fuel requirement, you know, after qualifying is complete, you get DQ'd from the session. So he would have to start from the back. So actually a smart move by Red Bull. Yeah, really interesting qualifying or Q3 at least for Max and for Red Bull. He had, you know, two back-to-back. One, the first one he got called off of and he was looking pretty rapid and probably would have been able to stick it up on pole. And then obviously, like you just said, that last lap he got called in and, you know, didn't work for him, but allowed him to at least have an attempt at a run, which uh, unfortunately wasn't able to make up and during the race. So, uh, tough time for him. And then the last qualifying highlight was just Kevin Magnuson having one of, if not the best pirouette I've ever seen turning the car around after running deep in a street circuit. It was, it was beautiful. It was so smooth and it was so like that, you know, where he went straight on there, that was tight. Like there was not a lot of room to spin the car around. I know they had a lot of cars that went through that and did a spin there, but his was by far the smoothest. Like it was so clean. It was almost like he like did it on purpose. It seemed like, yeah, it was, it was, so much different than it normally is i feel like typically they come to a stop and then the wheel spin and turn turn the car around but kevin was going in with some pace and just you know put the throttle down and and turn the car got some wheel spin and was able to make the pirouette kind of on the fly which was really impressive but that was the last quality recap obviously we had a, a pretty standard top order with charles putting it on pole again uh just you know he's really had the pace all year especially in that qualifying session but his conversion ratio from pole to wins this season has been pretty brutal but behind him we had Perez Hamilton and Sainz uh, pretty standard Alonzo was able to pull out his typical Trelonzo uh, qualifying oh, appearance yeah. oh yeah Norris was looking pretty good behind him and then Max down in eighth and George down uh, qualifying 11th but starting from the pit lane so we had you know a couple drivers to watch hopefully making it through the field but uh, we started out, and uh, obviously, big delay from the rain, like you were talking about earlier. But once we were finally able to get to the grid, we had Perez jumping Leclerc off the start, uh, getting into turn one a little bit quicker. We had Signs going to, up to third after squeezing Lewis off the track, which was uh, kind of interesting to see. No investigation off of that one. Uh, Max actually fell. He had a ton of wheel spin off the start and fell back, uh, lost a few places at the start, and then Vettel had just a magnificent start yeah Vettel's start was unbelievable I think he went from like uh where a 14th I guess to like eighth I think within the first like two turns yeah um obviously you're gonna have that in the wet with people getting wheel spin and stuff and you kind of get a little chaos there but yeah complete opposite starts for Max and Vettel there just uh a, a dream start for Vettel got get, got right into the points and you know they Aston Martin had looked good going into the weekend, and then once again, they are the worst qualifying team, maybe in the history of, of Formula 1. And I don't mean that like they qualify at the back. I mean that like they always have such great like free practices, and then they get into qualifying, and it's always a dud in qualifying. They always screw it up. Uh, but we didn't get, because they did both make it into Q2, we did not get the classic Vettel on the radio after Q1 when he goes out acting like he's so surprised that he's out in Q1. But great, great start to the race for him, and I think... Uh, Pretty much other than, you know, signs maybe pushing Lewis off a little there. Kind of a clean start for everybody through those first couple turns. And the first couple laps were actually 
probably the cleanest laps of the race in terms of no issues. I think the only thing we had was that contact between uh, Magnuson and Verstappen there kind of at turn three and four where uh, Magnuson ended up getting the meatball flag for it. But other than that, it was pretty clean first couple laps. Yeah, that was pretty cool to watch. I think, you know, Max had the pace on Magnuson, but Magnuson was not given up there. And on a street track, there's so many punishments for, for not giving up. And so Magnuson threw it up, threw it down the, the inside of the turn and was able to, to get his place back after Max had taken it from him briefly, but obviously uh, couldn't hold on to it. But yeah, so the front two started to pull out a really big gap, and it, they were looking, you know, just on another level, kind of like a Hamilton Max last year. And they were up the road about seven seconds from the rest of the field after Signs was looking a little slow, and then, you know, just seven laps in, and Latifi pulls a, a big time Latifi move. Yeah, I think to go off the Signs point real quick, that was maybe the most mind-boggling thing of the entire race. Was I have no idea why, and I don't think it's really come out as to why he was so much slower. And Leclerc because obviously they're in the same car and you know on form this year Leclerc has been on a little better form but like signs like a second and a half slower than the top two and so I don't, I don't really know what was going on there but yeah the Latifi incident was so classic it was one of the worst like in terms of like just bad driving incidents I think I've ever seen where he just did not look in his mirrors at all and just completely ran so off the road into the wall and just an unbelievable uh, it's just so classic Latifi just kind of puts a puts a ribbon on this what this season's been for him and like how he's been viewed and it just just so classic with TV. I mean, you think I I'd imagine that he's probably so used to the fact that when cars are behind him, he sees blue flags in front of him first. That is fair. So uh, so you know, maybe it was just foreign territory for him being in front of somebody else, but yeah, just you know, coming all the way across the road to cut into to Joe and you know taking out Joe's suspension in his front right and Latifi ended up having a, a good amount of damage after you know turning in and, and making contact there and so he made it back to the pits and they were decided to retire the car and Joe obviously you know wasn't able to continue so that was our first retirement of the day and then that prompted a safety car which you know gave people some some questions about how dry the track is but with the humidity and uh just the sheer amount of rain it made it really difficult to tell and it looked like it was still pretty wet at that point yeah i know a lot of the drivers are going around saying like it's too wet still like it's we're definitely in inters um i know most of them on the radio were like that the problem was is different parts that some of the tracks were like were some of the parts of the tracks including some of the straights were like pretty dry if not totally dry yeah but then i know a lot of stuff in the third sector was pretty wet still um and it didn't help obviously like you said with it being at night it being a little cooler than it would be during the day obviously no sun and then like you have just extreme humidity there in Singapore to where the track just dried so slowly. And yeah, it did beg the question, like, should anyone, you know, make the move here? But I don't think anyone actually bit on that first safety car. Yeah. Uh, Cause we were only seven laps in and, you know, I think if we wouldn't have switched to drives at all, you could have seen some drivers even just use one set of enters the entire race. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely some question marks about, you know, the wet to dry. And obviously we were, probably expecting another safety car coming especially yeah. with the wet conditions so uh nobody ended up pitting for for anything uh slicks wise but we did also have a kind of at the same time george russell going deep on on bottas uh at the same time as the joe incident and uh bottas ended up collecting some front wing damage and then obviously k mag like you said got that meatball flag from his damage so uh, a couple you know, front wing changes quite a few this entire race with the amount of contact going on, but uh, 
we had a, a pretty clean safety car restart other than uh, the questions that came out later, but at the time everything looked okay, and uh, we had a Hamilton radio message that kind of pointed it out, but there was nothing really thought of until really later on in the race, which was kind of weird from the FIA. They kind of waited to say that they were investigating it, uh, and then you know we didn't get a decision until after the race. Yeah, I thought it was weird that they didn't even acknowledge it to be, to begin with. And then, like you said, that then they decided to wait and talk for the race. Like, yeah, the rule is like, you have to stay within, you know, 10 car lengths and like until the safety car, like turns its lights off or whatever. Yeah. It's a pretty clear cut rule. Like either he was, or he wasn't within 10 car lengths. Like you can see it on the video. I get maybe doing some review during the race, but, like how long it took for them to actually come up with a conclusion after was pretty wild. And I think it, you know, begs the question, like, why are we doing things like this where we're like, you know, having the race result finish and then being like, oh, but in a couple hours, like it might change. Yeah, it was a little weird, you know, especially like I get it for maybe a driver outside of the points and, and something like that occurring. But for the lead driver to have an incident like that and, and just not a prompt response from them made it really interesting uh, to kind of follow. And, you know, we'll get into later the the amount of time that Perez had to pull on, on Leclerc and if he was able to do that. But or obviously he was able to do that, but uh, kind of some question marks just going through the race, uh, kind of hanging over the race. But, you know, we were getting into some later laps. We were around lap 20, and it was starting to look like we were going to have a repeat of, of Turkey 2020 from Hamilton turning his inters into slicks, and it looked like a potential for a lot of drivers. Yeah, I think a lot of them were starting to see that, you know, in the middle of the tire getting that that slick, slick to develop, and, like, it almost – it's, it's an interesting thing because, like, I feel like what they learned this in Turkey 2020, but, like, it almost works in, a like, a place like this where the track is, the track is like, pretty pretty dry, but, like, not all the way dry in some places because you're going to get a little tread still. Yeah. But, like, on the straights and stuff, you're going to get similar performance that you might to a slick. So it's kind of like a, almost like they incidentally, like, made a crossover tire between inters and slicks, which is kind of weird to think about. But, yeah, we started, I think, to get drivers coming on the radio and saying that and that you know, the tires were overheating and that like they're at a point where like in most places it could have been switched to slicks, but like you still had those last couple corners in sector three that were pretty wet that a lot of them were sliding around and still and starting to slide in more once those that slick patches started to develop. Yeah. So there was a lot of questions about, you know, whether they wait for that to occur or if they decide to pit for, for some slicks. And I know after the race came out that Haas was really thinking about pitting and uh, George actually ended up pitting right after Alonzo's engine failed. So he pulled off and there was a virtual safety car. So George came in for mediums, uh, obviously the first one to do so on lap 22 and not looking very good. He was real squiggly, so almost sideways coming out of turn two and uh, wasn't very promising for the rest of the field. Yeah, I mean, you could tell right away as soon as he got out of the pits that it wasn't going to work. And I think he was, I, it was something hilarious, like 11 seconds a lap slower or something. Yeah. He went from being like right at the back, like in last, but like right behind whoever was in 16th time or whatever it was, to like 50 seconds behind in a couple laps. Yeah, he was able to, to have his loss, but with a, you know, 11, 14, 15 second out of the, on his outlap loss, it was just brutal. And then, you know, he whittled it down to seven seconds, but then stayed pretty consistent with a seven-second loss per lap. And, uh, you know, he came on the radio and said there's no grip and was almost trying to get back into the pits to get another set of enters, but they wouldn't let him. And uh, I think that was kind of helping out Hamilton because they got to see the data. And with Hamilton so close on signs, that was kind of their main priority because it wasn't looking like 
George was going to be able to make up that much time. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense, right? Like, you got a, a guy who's near the back, probably not even, you know, maybe he's fighting for ninth or 10th. Uh, where they're at in the championship with anything going on, like, not worth it. Like, why not use him as a test dummy, basically, for Lewis, who is fighting potentially for a podium, uh, to see, like, where the tires are at and kind of the performance of that. So I think it was a good call for Mercedes to just keep him out and... It actually worked out for the entire field because the entire field could then see as soon as he started setting purple sectors, like, okay, now it's time to switch over. Yeah, so, you know, we're getting along in the race, and obviously not too long after that, we had another incident with Alexander Albon, who came back from a pretty rough medical incident uh, the past few weeks and uh, was getting thrown into a really tough Singapore circuit, but he ended up in the barriers. Uh, A very interesting thing, I think Julian Palmer brought it up, you know, they're having so many incidents and then cooling the tires down because they're not being able to run them as hard and then starting to warm it up and finding that slick patch again. And then it's causing another incident and then they're slowing down again. So it was kind of this back and forth movement, which just created more and more incidents as the race went on. And so Albin kind of fell into that and he went into the barriers, forced another virtual safety car and then retired after he made it back to the pits. Uh, A really weird kind of instance there on the broadcast there was a green flag as we were live looking at marshals on the track yeah i don't i know they discussed it uh will buxman like was asking like is this a replay of them removing this because like it looked like it was live and it didn't have like the replay badge on it and then when you looked at it like it very clearly turned green and the thing was still stuck in the wall and they're still pulling it out which was super weird and super unsafe like i i don't know I mean, it ended up being, like, a huge gap to them at the track, so I guess that was their thinking of, like, all right, let's throw it green now if they're going to get this out. But, like, if they wouldn't have been able to get it dislodged, you would have had to go back to yellow right away again. So I don't I don't really understand what, what happened there. Yeah, it probably wasn't, you know, it might have been a, a delayed, you know, look that we were looking at. But I just added another question mark to the FIA this race. I think there was a few incidents that weren't even investigated. There was obviously the Perez uh, incident on the safety car that they waited till after the race. And then there was this instance. So just kind of another question mark that kind of hazed the, the FIA rulings this race. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think it was a tough race for the FIA. You have just a lot of like obvious incidents and things that should have been investigated that it was, I, I don't know. It's like almost a little disappointing because it's like you have these incidents that in the past would have been marks investigated right away. Or even with the press safety car thing, I know we had, I know one of them was a little unclear, but like, the one shot they had, I know they showed her, like, he was, I mean, the safety car was, he was so far behind, the safety car wasn't even in the picture of, like, the TV. They're on the straight, and, like, he, yeah. the safety car was already around the corner. So, like, those obvious things where it's like, all right, we need to investigate this. Like, why did it take them so long to decide on this? And, and like you said earlier, especially with the amount of pressure that that at, because, like, that was going to affect the race winner and, like, mm-hmm. the top of the table. Like, it. It's just very interesting like, how long it took him to actually reach a decision on these things. Yeah, definitely. Ultimately, they were able to, to get the marshals off the track safe and uh, got the front wing out of the barriers as well. But just two laps later, we had Ocon have an engine failure. Uh, really tough day for Alpine. Yeah, it was a just a brutal day for Alpine. They pretty much all the momentum and stuff they had going is, was gone uh, in terms of the last few races against in their battle with McLaren. Pretty much everything that went wrong for them could have went wrong. You know, you had double engine failure. Uh, Alonso was looking good for some good points, but Ocon was, you know, just a poor qualifying and didn't, you know, didn't look like he was going to get any points anyways. And then, you know, you ended up having, because of that, the the safety cars there at the end where it ended up benefiting 
big time between for the McLarens where Ricardo and Norris had waited the longest to switch to to slicks. Everybody had started to switch, switch to slicks at this point, and they waited the longest to do it, and they got it on the safety car, and so they come out in fourth and fifth uh, in the race, and like that, just an absolute disaster for Alpine within a few laps. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, yeah, both out Al- both Alpines having engine failures, really tough weekend. Uh, that virtual safety car that came out of the Ocon failure actually had some uh, question marks around it as well. Another kind of FIA failure to investigate was the Max and, and Norris. And Norris was, he, as he was saying after the race, he was ahead of the Delta. So he was going a little bit too fast, ended up having to slow down. But Max was making so many inroads on him in this delta that he must have been so much further under the delta yeah. and had to fly by Norris uh, last second little veer to the left and a really close call for an accident that could have been very ugly. Yeah, it was interesting in the uh in like the post race interview they showed it to Lando and yeah, he had said the same thing that like he braked because like he was, you know, like under the delta basically like he was going too fast and it hadn't gone green yet so he braked and then he said, he's like, it has to like wonder then like, well, how, like for Max to veer off like that, like how much over or under the Delta was he, that he had to do that too. So like, I think it was one of those things where like Lando didn't expect him to be going that fast as well behind him. And then mm-hmm. it just was a, it could have been a really bad accident though, if they, if Max wouldn't have gotten out of the way. Um, but I think that's why it wasn't investigated by this, by the stewards after even looked at, because it was just a case of like, you know, Lando has the right to speed up and slow down kind of as he wants during that safety car because like he has to stay within the delta so like by him slowing down like max has got to be aware of where he's at with the delta too yeah yeah it was a pretty tough in- incident to watch but nothing came of it and uh, i think you know nothing should have come of it maybe an investigation and, and maybe a statement about uh how the delta should be followed but uh interesting nonetheless uh, after that safety car ended we had hamilton really on the back of signs for a while and it was looking like he was going to be able to get past and you know, he was even on the radio saying he had more pace but just couldn't pass Signs because Signs was so slow and uh, just able to, to keep it ahead. But Hamilton ended up going a little deep and crashing into the wall, going straight on, and uh, somehow didn't give him damage. He was able to pull out just in front of Verstappen at that point uh, after pulling it out of the wall. But a really tough, really tough race for Hamilton. Yeah, it was really tough. I think he... So, you know, got beat off the line by signs and then kind of got stuck behind the signs train where I don't, who knows what pace he would have had had he been able to get, you know, keep ahead of signs there because signs were so slow. But, and then, you know, then it looked like, all right, he'll at least, he's catching up to signs. Like he's getting, got him in his sights. Like he's going to pass him. If not now, definitely like, you know, when they do get on the slicks and like what whatever, but he, you know was trying so hard to pass him that just made a mistake and then fell all the way back, totally lost sight of him. And then with everything that happened with all the safety cars and stuff, kind of lost out on those two, just on when he pit and stuff and ended up kind of settling in in ninth and really didn't make any progress from there the rest of the race. Yeah. So pretty tough race from him. He ended up falling back. Uh, Russell at this point had started showing some pretty good pace, which gave some interest for a lot of the other uh, drivers to, to stop for some slick tires. So uh, people started coming in. We had Leclerc come in and have uh, a relatively slow stop. I think it was just over five seconds. So Classic. Uh, yeah, indeed. Classic. Uh, and then eventually lap 36, Sonoda had just put on slicks, and he was coming out, uh, ended up putting it in the wall and having to jump out, retire the car. 
that triggered another safety car, and that's when the McLarens yeah. got helped out big time. So Ricardo ended up pitting and coming out you know, way ahead of where he was and uh, really made the race for him there. And then at this point, we also had Stroll and Vettel through the pit stop phase coming up into the points and, and looking really good, looking pretty racy too, which was interesting, uh, you know, able to, to have some battles and stick on the back of some cars. We had Max going up against Vettel for a little while there, and yeah. uh, eventually he was able to get past, but they were looking both pretty good. Yeah, it was a very beneficial safety car for McLaren and for uh, Aston Martin. People who lost out the most, though, it's obviously Snow DNF, but uh, Alpha Tori, you know, Pierre came out after. He was looking for, like, a solid P7 finish and kind of holding that there. And I think he would have finished P7, but they went onto the slicks with Pierre way too early, lost yeah. a bunch of time, and they ended up coming out in 11th, I believe, or 10th once that safety car ended up and everything kind of settled from that. And so he wasn't able to make those position facts, but they were kind of the big losers out of that because they just pit him way too early. Yeah, it was not looking very good, but... Uh, a few people, you know, made it made up uh, quite a lot of places, and and then we had a safety car restart, and Verstappen ended up dropping a few places again, and uh, dropped all the way down to eighth after looking pretty good and looking like he was going to be able to kind of fight the top five, top six. Uh, he ended up having to pit stop again and drop down to last place after coming out with a a new uh, set of tires after flat spotting him pretty bad. Yeah, it was a. a- Pretty brave dive bomb that he had on Norris there, right on the restart. Uh, going in, I forget which turn it was. Coming about, I think it was sector two, but ended up having a pretty, pretty late dive bomb where he tried to basically go down the inside and just went straight on, and then that was race over for him. I thought at the time because he was, I think Norris was in fourth and Verstappen was in fifth at the time. I thought because of everything was being bunched up, I'm like, oh, he has a legit, like, this is going to fall right into his hands, but, like, he's going to get by Norris, and then he's going to end up winning this race, like, somehow, but just went straight on, and there was, at, from that point, he had to re-pit, and just at that, like, once he lost the 28 seconds, whatever it was in the pits, there was no coming back from that. Yeah, definitely, and then to wrap up the race, we had two more smaller incidents. We had George getting a puncture after kind of turning in on Mick, and kind of an interesting, you know, post-race analysis from them too with George kind of saying that he wasn't in the wrong while Mick was just staying straight waiting to turn in yeah it was I mean George kept saying he gave him the space but like George just turned right into him so like you can give him all the space you want but like he still turned right into Mick so like I don't I don't really know it was really confusing the way George was talking about it I don't know if he just didn't realize how close he was because like yes he did give him enough room on the track but like they were talking about it on the F1T broadcast like Mick also, they're on a straight. Like Mick didn't have to veer to the right at all. Like they're yeah. on a straight still, and George just kind of like pushed and ran into it. So it was a really weird incident, and then it ended up giving George a puncture, and Mick ended up having a pit too because of it. Yeah, and then lastly, we saw Hamilton uh, trying to overtake Vettel with Max right behind Hamilton, and uh, you know got on the wet part of the track and just went straight on in the turn and lost out to to both of those drivers, and you know. Another tough incident from Hamilton, something unlike we see from him often, but uh, kind of the wet street circuit got to him today. Yeah, it was really crazy to see both him and Max make mistakes today because I feel like those are always the two that you can rely on to not make mistakes. You know, the only race way their race is going to get messed up is if someone else makes a mistake into them or like they have a bad pit or like something that's out of their control. But it was, I think this is the first race I remember in a long time where like both of them made a mistake and yeah. like, 
bad ones. Either way, bad ones. And like, either way, like, and they just weren't even like, it was weird seeing neither of them. Like, they were just like bowing it out for like eighth. Like, yeah. it was just a really like anticlimactic battle between the two. But like, it was really interesting to see, you know, these two like titans basically that normally are fighting at the top, battling it out for eighth and just making mistakes all day. Yeah. And one driver that particularly didn't make any mistakes today and was looking just absolutely brilliant was Sergio Perez. Uh, at this point, you know, later sta- stages of the race, he was told about the investigation for him under the safety car and absolutely turned on some nitrous. I mean, he pulled out a gap of like oh, seven yeah. and a half seconds and, you know, not many laps just on it. Oh, but, yeah. It was the end of the race, those last couple laps when he, you know, got notified potentially about penalties. Yeah. To put a over 10 second gap on was or over a seven second gap was unbelievable. Right? Like he, they were, you know, Leclerc was pretty much right on his heels the entire time with, I don't know, seven laps to go or something. And then he just put on like a second a lap. He started putting on, on Leclerc and it was, it was really impressive. He drove great the entire weekend. He looked good all weekend and it wasn't, it was really never in doubt in the race. Yeah. He, he never put a foot wrong and was looking just incredible all weekend. Like you said, and, uh, for that, he was one of my top three drivers of the weekend. And, uh, yeah, just a, a great race from him. You know, the first person to ever do Monaco and Singapore in the same year. And, uh, you know, he's really taking taking a hold of that seat at Red Bull and making the most of it when Verstappen's not. Yeah, he's been the, the street circuit king. Absolutely. He's, been, he's a different animal on streets. It's, it is kind of funny because he's, like, astronomically better on street circuits. Like, there are – because he's had some – not stinkers, but he's had some performances on, like, regular tracks this year where I'm, like, our – are him and Max even driving the same car? Like, how is he so much off the pace? Like, yeah, he looked much better this weekend, and it it was. I think it's it's been good that he's kind of like you said settled himself in that seat to where they had so much trouble Red Bull of like getting someone to compliment Max the way they want. Yeah, uh, which is someone that like sadly is they're they're always going to prioritize Max, which is unfortunate. But like they want someone that at least can get them podiums too and kind of keep that constructor title going, but. Yeah, he had a he had a great weekend, and he's just been great on the street circuits this year. Yeah, definitely. And then my other two drivers of the weekend were Vettel and Joe. Uh, Vettel, for obvious reasons, you know, starting 14th on the grid and ending up uh, in eighth place, getting some good points for Aston Martin. Uh, just drove a really solid race right from the get go. He was off the line well and and starting to make some overtakes. Had a triple overtake right at the beginning. Just looked great all race and was able to keep it consistent. Uh, enough to finish up in eighth place and then joe uh obviously you know didn't see too much race running from him starting 15th and then you know fighting with latifi was maybe not the best look but uh he's really been on form recently qualifying especially he's been able to pick up and he's starting to out qualify his teammate so uh he ended up making it into q2 when bottas did not so i think he's looking pretty good uh obviously we'll get into later he uh wrapped up a deal with uh, Alpha Romeo and is going to be riding for them again next season. So uh, really yeah. good to hear for him. Yeah, it was awesome to hear for Zell. It's I think he's deserving of it. He has really stepped up his pace and been matching Bottas more. And I think it's it's really sh- like he's really matured this year. I think and yeah, he's really progressed a lot, which is what you want to see from a new driver and what we sometimes don't see. So I think he definitely deserves another year to show what he can do. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I'll go into my top three drivers for the weekend. So. Um, going to sound a little biased because I have both, both McLaren drivers in here, but um, for for Lando's my first, I think this is an obvious choice. He, again, they were they were looking so bad in the free practices. Um, 
they just were not looking great. He still put it into Q3, you know, out-qualified Ricardo by a mile, um, continues to kind of slot in himself as the best of the rest. And like we've talked about before, I think the biggest thing is that he, anytime there's mistakes, so like Max and Lewis had mistakes today, who's going to be the one to capitalize on that and like get those extra points? And that's been Lando every single time. Yeah. And so, you know, to finish in P4 today, um, it was a rightful P4. Like he was, it wasn't, you know, Ricardo was P5, who was another one of my top drivers. His was because of the safety car and stuff. He did drive a good, clean race and was pacey, but, you know, got in some luck there with the safety car. But Norris, you know, just drove clean the entire race, kept his pace, um, you know, was able to hold off, you know, Max and Max for a while there before, you know, it ended up going off on his own. But he drove a great race, like just been consistent. And at this point, you know, with the points he got this race, is kind of locked up that best of the rest in the driver's standings too. So, and I think he's earned it. I think if you look at the drivers of this season of everybody else who's not in the top three teams, he's definitely been, in my opinion, the best driver out of everybody and been the most consistent. So that was good to see. And then piggybacking off of that with Ricardo, like starting in 17th at Singapore and finishing in fifth, super impressive. Obviously a lot of luck there with the safety car, but you know, he kept his pace. He didn't, he wasn't a mile off, um, Lando like during the race as he you know normally is and they even put him on the soft tires there at the end and he made that last until the end of the race which was pretty impressive because I know a lot of people doubted if those were going to actually make it to the end because him and Bottas both went on to that but great race from him and is I think just a good confidence builder going into the rest of the season um, in terms of you know his own performances and then also from McLaren just a big step in the in the team standings as well sure. uh, and the other driver had was Stroll um I feel like no one is talking about this, but like, again, he benefited from the safety car, but like a, a P six from stroll. That is so impressive. Yeah. I know he started P 12, but you know, that car is not great. And like another one where I think this is like a, a race of attrition, like who basically just going to last and who just can just drive smart. And wow. I don't really, we didn't really see stroll make, make any crazy overtakes. There really wasn't even, I don't even know if I really even saw him on screen the entire race. Yeah. He just like had a quiet race by himself. Like he didn't make any mistakes, kept it clean and like finished P six as a result of it. And from someone who binned it twice in the Baku race, you know, yeah. the, the other street race that that's kind of similar. Uh, yeah. Really impressive from him this weekend. Yeah. There were no, no mistakes at all. Like that don't, which I guess is, you know, good and bad. Like we didn't see him at all, which is unfortunate, but like, there was no errors, no issues, no nothing. He just drove his own race, like kind of a lonely race. And I don't think he really was around anybody and, you know, finished P6. And it was a big weekend for Aston Martin, right? They end up, we'll get into it later, but making a big jump in the standings and just a very successful weekend for them. Yeah, I mean, you hit the two team highlights that we have here pretty well on the head. And we have all four of those drivers in our top six drivers of the week. Uh, so McLaren and Aston Martin, both making huge inroads in the drivers' championships. Uh, we have, you know, McLaren jumping Alpine and Aston Martin now up in uh, sixth, seventh place. Uh, so both looking really good and both starting to fight for, for some, you know, more points and, and higher up on the grid than they normally do. Yeah, big jump from Mc, uh, McLaren to make up that ground. I think you and I both thought was, you know, a big enough gap that wasn't going to happen this race, but, you know, capitalized on Alpine not finishing and just the other driver errors that happened. And then for Aston Martin jumping from ninth to seventh and now breathing down the neck kind of of Alfa Romeo who have had no points in so long quite a few races. I don't even know how long it's been but it's been an eternity since they've had any points so definitely a great weekend for both those teams yeah so I guess next we got a couple of overtake highlights I think 
you know, specifically we have Vettel doing the triple overtake at the very beginning. And then I think my personal favorite really was Max on Gasly after the bridge going into the hairpin. Oh, yeah, that was uh, sweet. Just kind of threw it up. In the, and partially because Gasly probably wasn't fighting it very much, knowing as a sister team that yeah. that he can't. But I don't think he was expecting anything there either. No, because they were talking about it like it, it was it was too nice of an overtake for it to be like rehearsed. Like there's yeah. no way they could have planned that over the radio. Like, oh, right. And nor would the team be like, yeah, let him, we're going to have you invert the cars at, at the hairpin. Like, yeah. that's not how you do it. But he just threw it up inside there and got the grip and got the traction down and it made it work. So that was definitely probably the overtake of the weekend for me, too. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and then we'll move on to uh, your favorite new segment. Yeah, so the uh, Massey Performance of the Week, formerly the Nicholas TV Performance of the Week, but because our uh, our Sweet Prince is leaving us after this year, we're going to we're gonna keep it to the Massey Performance of the Week so it can kind of live on forever, but... Uh, for drivers, we actually had three nominations, one clear winner, the obvious winner uh, running. I think this is, I think he's won it every week, right? Uh, yeah. I think he's won it every week. So the consensus winner here was Nicholas TV for lasting seven laps. Uh, first of all, qualifying in P20, <laughs> lasting seven laps, then running into Zoe, running him off the track, not even looking in his mirrors. Getting a five-place grid penalty for it, which was I saw a hilarious tweet after, which was like, so Nicholas Satifi has a five-place grid penalty for Japan. He will now start P20 instead of P20. I mean, essentially, instead of starting as the last of the non-penalized qualifiers, well, he'll just he be last. now gets to be just last. Just last yeah. by himself, yeah. So just a hilarious weekend from him. Again, it's just so bad. So he's the winner. Our other two nominees, though, were Yuki. Uh, just a tough race from him. Uh, just... You know, wasn't clean, a lot of mistakes, and then had the off. We ended up DNFing. And then Lewis, too, unfortunately, also in the discussion this week from the National Performance of the Week. Just too many mistakes, just not his best weekend. Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously he, Hamilton looked good in qualifying. Yeah. Uh, you know, had his moments during the race where he was looking to get past signs, but uh, couldn't make a move happen. And then obviously had two incidents, one into the wall and one just going deep and losing out. So uh, really, you know, not a great performance from him. Probably not deserving of Massey performance of the week, uh, but candidacy nonetheless from what we expect from him. Uh, Yuki, I think, was a, kind of a sneaky ballot for this uh, for this nominee this week. Uh, he was just his kind of his head was all over the place on the radio messages. He didn't sound like he could focus very well, and then you know obviously ends up putting it in the wall and. You know, not the first time we've seen that. The same thing happened in Canada, and he's just retiring the car in times when you really shouldn't be or, or really don't want to be retiring the car. Yeah, it was it was a just kind of a non non clean week from him, and it, it just wasn't. You know, even in even in qualifying too, I know he got it into Q three, but didn't really do much once he got it to Q three, and like just kind of fell back in the race and never really had any pace. And so for the team mass performance of the week. Uh, Easy choice here, 100% Alpine, a double engine failure DNF, a bad qualifying from Ocon. Uh, you know, Alonso, like I said, was on for points, but it it was just a terrible weekend from them. You lose your fourth place in the constructors when you're that far ahead of McLaren. Um, you know, you have Alonso and Ocon both kind of battling Norris at this point for best of the rest. You're probably out on that now too. So it was really, it was the worst weekend they could have had. It was the worst weekend they've had all season for sure. Yeah. Just a complete disaster. Yeah, a big loss for them in, in both standings and uh, just a rough look to have two failures like that and, and take both your drivers out of potential points contentions. 
Uh, you know, the other nominee for team was uh, Williams, but both of those were driver errors, nothing really on the team. You know, they did their part. Alpine, you know, couldn't put a car there that would get them around the circuit for their drivers. So a uh, really tough weekend for them, like you said, and, uh, you know, hopefully they'll be able to turn it around and actually have some battles. Yeah, for sure. So let's dive into our predictions we had for, for pre-quality and pre-race. So uh, for these, we kind of flipped. I was pretty locked on for the quality ones, and then I think you were more locked on for the race. Uh, so for pre-quality, I had Leclerc on pole, which did happen. And then I also had Lewis top four, and the reason for that is he just looked good all weekend in the free practices and you know with it being a wet qualifying up to that point I thought a little bit of chaos he had the slicks at the end but he just looked pacey all weekend he ended up qualifying third so nailed those two I don't know if you want to go into into yours yeah so I had signs getting pull and two red flags and and kind of you know my thinking was together also a little bit uh you know a little bit of a reach for the two red flags but I, I thought with the wet qualifying we would see some yeah. Uh, interesting events occur and I was thinking that potentially Leclerc puts it into the wall or uh, has an incident in qualifying especially with how on edge he's been during qualifying oh yeah uh, but he was able to keep it together and uh, no red flags so a really clean race from everybody and or a really clean qualifying session from everybody I should say and uh, yeah rough predictions for quali for me but for the race I was looking a little bit better I guess I'll go into my top three which were uh, Leclerc, Perez, and Signs, which I got the three right. I did not get the order right. Uh, Perez was oh, able basically, to... Basically, almost. Yeah. yeah. I mean, with an extra penalty, I would have been there. But yes. <laughs> no, Perez uh, ended up coming home first, so I had those uh, first two backwards, but Signs was the third podium place and uh, able to pull that together. And then I also had Ferrari outscoring Red Bull, which was very much the case, and Norris ahead of Alonso, which was easily the case, so... Oh yeah, that was that one, when you texted me that one. That made me happy. Norris ahead, of, and you even worded it Norris ahead of Troll on. So I did, yes, which was, which was good to see. And I was, I was, you know, on the edge of thinking that uh, I, I did think that it would be a pretty big gap. I thought that Alonso would fall out of the points there somehow, and Norris would be able to take advantage of the wet to dries after his yeah. uh, incident in Russia last year. And yes, yeah, we so, don't like to talk about that. Yeah, so <laughs> I was, I was thinking that that Norris would be looking really good and uh, was you know, on the edge of saying that, that the uh, driver stand or the, the team standings would swap. But after looking at the points differential, I didn't think it would happen. And you would have nailed that uh, one though, too. You, you would have nailed that one too. It, t- so. it took a lot and yeah. uh, I'm very surprised to see that, yeah. that four or five finish. Yeah. Great, great predictions for you for the race. Uh, so for me, I had Leclerc, Hamilton and Verstappen. Um, I think behind that was, uh, you know, I thought Leclerc would just kind of run away with it out front. You know, Ferrari seemed to have the favorable car this weekend. I thought Hamilton would be able to get, past Perez um and because he looked great all weekend and kind of put that in second and then Max you know had this not been a street circuit I would have just put him as the winner by 25 seconds because that probably would have happened but it is it was a tough uh place to pass so you know put him third there so did not get any of those right at all I guess Leclerc on the podium but not, not even close on those and then I had one safety car which technically was correct although there was many more than one um but I guess I should have had at least one safety car, but that was kind of an easy prediction because there's 100% safety car right at Singapore. Yeah, we'll give it to you. <laughs> and then I had both Alfa in the points. So Gasly was in the points, but Sonoda had a terrible race day, so that wasn't going to happen either. So really a rough race prediction for me. Yeah, I mean, you made up for it in quali, so yeah, you know, not bad there. Uh, I guess we'll get into some paddock rumors, and we have you know a handful, some smaller ones, but... Uh, quite a few of, uh, of them, uh, obviously Alonzo on his 350 race start and, uh, 
yeah, really unfortunate way to, to end that race, but uh, good for him. You know, he's looking like he's got a two-year contract over at Aston Martin and says he wants to continue far beyond that. So we'll see how long he sticks around. Uh, and then we also had McLaren coming in with a one-time livery, which I thought it was pretty cool. I thought that was a, um, yeah. a good touch there. I thought it was fun. Yeah, to add a little pink in there, it was just kind of like, uh, like more modern, I guess. I don't know. I thought it was a fun touch. They didn't overdo it. Yeah. Uh, it was just like a nice little accent. And then, I don't know, I just thought, yeah, I agree. It was a good it was a good livery. I know they're running it in Japan, too. I think it kind of plays there as well. So I think just like a fun little thing they did for a couple races, I, I agree. I think it was a nice a nice livery. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan on, of the black on their livery. No, uh, I, they, original. the original one didn't have all that black. And then they got Android or Google or whatever as a sponsor. And then they yeah. threw that on there. I know some of it, too, is like the weight reduction in the cars. A lot of them have, a lot of the teams have like just basically peeled the paint off and like, put nothing save a couple grams save a couple grams but uh yeah i agree i think it was a nice delivery so going to the rest of these end in terms of some signs we had sonoda sign and joe sign which we've talked about um you know big time for both both of them i think both kind of solidified that and uh, you know i think there's really no other better choices we, we could have had i know we still have a little, few openings left in the driver's market uh that we'll get into in a minute here but congrats to both of them i think you know Zoe's definitely deserving for next year, and I think Sonoda has kind of been up and down this year. But um, I, I think with the other options you had, it's like, all right, like if we sign somebody else, like, are we going to take a step back from Sonoda even? So like, why, why not give him another year? I guess. Yeah, I mean, we can get into it now. So the other thing we had is Alfatari reportedly signed DeVries, and uh, yeah. there's an interesting kind of thought process there. Obviously, you know, Gasly looking at going to Alpine, so that's you know a whole other thing with that but if you look at AlphaTauri for next year and and say it's DeVries and Sonoda you want Sonoda to be that team leader but he's so inconsistent right now that that's a really tough position for him to fill and with DeVries yeah. you know just looking on form and if he can continue the the brilliance that he had uh last time out with Williams then you know I think that could be a really close battle and, and potentially one that DeVries could win yeah that's a, a big time news for DeVries and I think it it seems all but confirmed based on a lot of people reporting it, Yeah, which would then mean that Gasly's probably going to Alpine because obviously they wouldn't give up Gasly's seat if they didn't have another option. They've said that before. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I think it's going to be good for, for Gasly, too, to kind of take that step up into a bigger team. But, um, yeah, it, I think it could be big time for AlphaTour. I think to freeze. I think he, I think a lot of people were on the fence. I know we were even discussed, like, is he, like, that guy just never gets in. But, like, after his performance in Monza, I think you could firmly say that he does deserve a spot on the grid so yeah um and that kind of leads into you know another person that's out and uh got confirmation this week nicholas atifi finally is gone finally all that bs from yost uh, from yost about like oh like we he still can earn it like we you know he's doing this he's doing that like it was all fugazi it was all smoke like we knew that he was gonna he was not gonna end up coming back again next season for Williams. So it's just no way he's just had too many bad performances this year. And I think they, you know, finally bit the bullet on that and just announced it. So I know the openings for that are kind of down to, it sounds like Logan Sargent and uh, Nick Schumacher, but be interesting to see kind of how that, that plays out. Yeah. If DeVries is wrapped up, I think it'll end up being Logan Sargent. If he's able to get the points, he's got to finish within the top five of F2 this season to get those super license points. Uh, If not, I think it sounds like Mick and then, the Haas battle sounds like it's between Mick and uh, Hulkenberg at the moment. So we'll see where those go and obviously update you guys as we get through those and announcements come out. Um, the other 
two things or three things we have. Uh, the first being Mercedes being fined $25,000 or euros, I guess, for failing to declare uh, Hamilton's nose stud, which is so uh, goofy. Just a constant battle that they've had all yeah. season. And finally, they've pinned it on him with uh, his failure to fill out his self scrutineering form with that information. But he yeah. had a doctor's note, so no penalty to Hamilton, but uh, the team being fined a, a hefty. A not so hefty fine, but you know. Yeah. So speaking of euros and money, uh, we had two teams this week that came out that they probably might have been, were, might not have been. I don't know. There was a lot of misdirection on this, but I feel like the general consensus is that Red Bull and Aston Martin were over the budget cap last year, uh, which I don't know how much they're over by. The number I saw for Red Bull, the one number I saw was like fifteen million, which is a lot of money, and I know. There's no real written rules on this, but like I feel like this could be, and we've talked about this. Like uh, theoretically, they would just have to not participate in a couple races this year. Yeah. Uh, but it, it really, I think, stinks for like looking back at last year, right? Because like you already had this asterisk on last year and how it ended, and now like unfortunately for for Max and Red Bull, like this is just getting bigger and bigger, and like every single day, and like if they really did spend $15 million over the budget cap last year, like how is that going to be penal? Like there's no way to penalize last year. Like what happened happened. So like, yeah, they could miss some races this year, but like they already got it wrapped up this year too. Yeah. It'll definitely be interesting to see what the FIA does. And I think they really have to take a hard stance if that's the case. So we'll see, uh, you know, exactly what they went over spending on and what they actually spent on what gets included in that spending. And, uh, how the other teams kind of react to what the FIA comes out with. But obviously another thing that we'll have to keep our eye on. And uh, yeah, interesting. it'll be interesting what they come out for with penalties. Because I think even if they didn't go over budget cap, then they'll have to set some ruling for uh, what the, the actual penalty would be or if you know they just need yeah. to stop for that, that year's championship. So yeah. uh, tough there. But something that could cut into some uh, some budget is – sprint races and it sounds like next year there's going to be six of them so uh, a little bit more action uh, and i'm excited to see it oh yeah i love it right like like we've talked about in the past in this podcast bringing in uh a more importance to the whole weekend instead of like where you have like kind of a dull day friday and it's just saturday and sunday that matter now you're going to have qualifying friday a race saturday and a race sunday it kind of brings a little more energy and then I think you can just get a little more chaos for the grid on Sunday, right? Like you can get people that DNF during the sprint race or have an incident or whatever it may be. And then also just you're putting more points up for grabs that if you do have a close title race, like could be crucial. So I think it's a win-win all around. Yeah, definitely. I, I enjoy watching it as well. And I think a lot of fans do. So uh, it'll be a lot of fun to watch. And I've also heard some talk about potentially two qualifying sessions. I'm not sure exactly what the, the details are on that, but I've heard that that's a potential rumor that too, going yeah. around. So. Uh, we'll keep up on that, and if anything else comes out about that, we'll make sure to, to let you guys know. Uh, but let's go ahead and move into our funny happenings. Just a few things left for this episode, and uh, a couple of funny ones this weekend. We had Alonzo obviously having his 350th race, and after his engine blowout, he posted up next to some marshals and took a seat and enjoyed watching his 350th race start. Yeah, that was kind of funny to see him have this big milestone you know, the most races ever in F1, get the 350 and then have to watch pretty much the entire thing, like from like a, 
a lawn chair yeah. like on the side of the circuit. A classic Alonzo look. Yes, it was a classic Alonzo look. The whole the whole thing was just classic Alonzo. Yeah, and then another classic Alonzo. Oh, yeah, know, here we go. Here takes we to go. his social media to say that uh, he's lost 60 points this season or so. And, uh, you know, after this, there's a hefty points haul that he could have had here. But uh, I'm pretty sure, if I'm not mistaken, that he said a similar number to 60, but like, 10 races ago he after I, Miami or one of the other like really early on like this is like six seven races in he said 60 yeah which is at the time was unbelievable yeah so by that number if you extrapolate that the rest of the season like you would think he was fighting for the driver championship right now absolutely by the way he talks about how many points he lost yeah and like yes he's had a couple of DNFs and he's been on the unluckier side this year I'll give you that but like Let's not pretend that he's, you know, and these DNFs and stuff that he was battling for like a podium. Like he was, yeah. there are, you know, seven through nine, the spot seven through nine. Like he's battling for two, three points. Like I don't, again, it's, if he's had, I think he's had four DNFs this year. Yeah. He's maybe lost out in those four DNFs like on 12 to 20 points max. So yeah. like where he keeps getting these big numbers from is hilarious to me. Yeah. But also, you know, just hilarious that he confirms the same number that he lost. Every single, every single, yeah. Every single week. It's the same. It's the same number confirmed. Yeah. And like, I think it was now it makes more sense. Like you could, you could maybe argue six for the season. That still seems pretty extreme to me. Yeah. But like when he was doing it, like six, seven races in, I'm like that, that math does not add up there, buddy. Not logical. Yeah, for sure. And then our last one here is George uh, coming on the radio and saying that Mick was fighting for his life during the incident. Crikey. That, yeah, crikey. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, you know, the one where George kind of turned in on Mick. So yeah. really interesting there. And then kind of ironic because Mick really is fighting for his life. He doesn't have yes. a contract next year, has to be putting in performances. And, uh, you know, in an incident that was, you know, mostly George's fault. Yeah kind of weird that he's coming out and saying that so and, and sticking by it too which after yeah the he race dug in he dug his heels in on that thing. one and it was first off it's just funny like we already had when he said blimey earlier this season but he's confirmed george russell is the most british driver on the grid Indeed. after saying crikey today yep. there's just no need to add it at the end but yeah you're right like mick is definitely like he's fighting for his career at the worst so like yeah of course he's gonna make those moves and stuff and then it was mostly george's fault so i don't know why he didn't back down from this at all but he is standing by that it is not his fault at all. Yeah, it was a little odd, but that was the last of our funny happenings, and uh, I think that's all we got for this episode. Any last thoughts on the race? Uh, I mean, yeah, just a, a, a chaotic race, uh, as Singapore usually is. You know, a lot of safety cars, a lot of small. We didn't have anything huge this weekend, but a lot of small mistakes and incidents that kind of made for a really entertaining race. And, I mean, we didn't even mention that it didn't actually even finish the laps out. It hit the two-hour time limit. Yeah, which I know they always discuss in Singapore, which I always wonder is like it's even when it's dry, it's like a minute forty five a lap. Yeah, racing and it's sixty something laps. Like you're already going to be with no incidents pressed up against that two hours. Yeah. So I always wondered because it is a long race too. Like why they don't lower it? But I guess that's just how they've always done it. Um, yeah, chaotic race and I think it flows nicely into Japan. We're getting another circuit back now that we haven't had since twenty nineteen, I believe. Yeah. Uh, figure eight track, which is. The first time I found that out, I realized like that is wild to me that they have a figure eight track. Like it's kind of it's like karting almost. Like it kind of feels like kiddish. Yeah. Um, Little Magic Mountain. Yeah, vibes. and it's got like the y, like the S's and stuff. Like it does feel like an amusement park ride in a way. But yeah, I think that'll be it'll be interesting to see kind of how the teams that were successful here differ from that one because that one's more you're getting more top speed. You're getting more. It's more like a traditional racing track. So, mm-hmm. um, and also I you know. 
it's going to be interesting to see like what happens to the championship. Like, it was it was going to be a stretch for Max to clinch it in Singapore. Like he really needed everybody else to do bad and him to win. Yeah. But at this one, if he finishes first with the fastest lap, that's it. That's championship wrapped up with five races to go. So, um, I think it'll be you know we had I guess another funny happening was Hamilton coming out this past week and saying uh, that it's bad for the fans and bad for everybody. Like when the race when the season ends that early, even though pretty much every season he feels for him, even though every season he had the he won with four or five races to go. But yeah, um, I think it's good and bad, right? Like it's gonna. We know. I think it's going to be like, in my thought, it's like, all right, just wrap it up. Like, we know he's going to win it. Mm-hmm. So, like, wrap it up here, and then let's have, like, these last four races be, like, chaotic. And, like, let's have these last four, like, Red Bull's like, ah, we'll just, like, try some stuff out for next year's car. Like, we'll fool around. Like, we won't have to be, like, they can be a little riskier and, like, just, like, do more wild things. And, like, we'll just get more fun results to end the season. Yeah, I'm still, I still don't think that'll be the case, honestly. I think Red Bull and, and Verstappen are too hard-pressed to just Yeah, show and they're still, so. I, after this weekend, even though they had this weekend, I think they're they're still on pace to be able to break all the records for yeah. like a season. So like, I guess they're probably going to want to be do that too. Yeah, so we'll see We'll see how that goes. But yeah, definitely super excited to uh, to watch the race, even though it's at 1 o'clock where we're from, but uh, going to enjoy it. Oh yeah, we're off to Japan. All right, we'll see you there.